been a morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 1. John 1. Pulled out of the driveway and Sarah was like, hey, uh, doesn't it feel a little low? And then, you know, your car doesn't tell you you have a low tire until after you're moving. And so then it turned into turn around, go back home and plug in the uh, compressor and then move the car so it's close enough to the compressor. And then, of course, it's raining and it's cold and all that fun stuff. So it was a good morning. It's a good start to the morning. Well, yeah, that's true. Not a utopia. This is true, even on the Lord's Day. <laughs> all right, so we've been talking about considering Christ. Uh, the first one we did was consider Christ, obviously. Good way to start it. Uh, next one was consider his presence. And now we're going to talk about his omniscience. Uh, omniscience. Does anybody, not to put anybody on the spot, what does it mean? All-knowing. All uh, he knows everything, not just... Uh, presently what's going in your heart what you're doing what you're thinking what's going to be happening in the future he knows it all and we see that here in in john 1 uh displayed uh very openly to uh nathaniel here um well let's let's just read uh go down to verse 20 uh no verse 43 we'll start the day following jesus would go forth into galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith unto him, saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, because I send unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We see here, there mainly in verse uh, 48, when, when Jesus reveals to Nathaniel and really to anybody that's around at the time, Philip, and uh, I can imagine Philip's not too far behind him, that, hey, I, I, I saw you sitting under that fig tree. And Nathaniel's blown away by this, by what, you, I don't even know who you are. I, you weren't anywhere near me. You, you didn't even know I was there. And he calls him the son of, the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. So we're going to look at his omniscience, uh, and today, you know, we, we have everything at our fingertips with technology. Uh, you, I was talking to somebody earlier this week about college and, and how um, expensive a lot of these colleges are, and I'm glad they weren't that expensive when I went, uh, or I wouldn't have gone. But today, you can go on 
YouTube, you can go on to a lot of these colleges' websites and you can watch lectures for free. You can watch the, you could take the course essentially of a Harvard class for free. You just don't get the credits, you don't get to you know, have the piece of paper that you pay for essentially. But what, what's the point of it is to gather knowledge, is to learn. And despite all the availability uh, the, the, at our fingertips, the knowledge that we have, we don't know everything. And that's the one thing, the mo- probably the most defining characteristic of God is that he's omniscient. He does know everything. And that's one of the biggest parts of, of seeing here Jesus, yes, he is 100% man, but he's 100% God at the same time. He, he is God. He's not a good man, a good prophet. Pastor said this Wednesday or last week that, you know, you have a lot of these religions that see Christ as he was a good prophet or a good man, a good teacher. Well, no, according to this Bible, he was either God or he was nuts and he was a blasphemer and he was wrong and he was going totally, he couldn't have been a good man and not God. There's only one or the other. That's what the Bible shows us who Jesus was. He was either 100% God or he was a fake. There's no, there's no, he was a good teacher, but not God. No, he specifically says many times throughout his ministry, who we're talking about when I'm reading the Old Testament about the coming Messiah, that's me. These things I read to you are now present at the time. Could you, could you imagine somebody today getting up and saying, uh, I, I'm, you know, we're talking about Jesus, that's me. Well, just about everybody person in here would be like, wait, time out, we need to leave or get this guy out of here. Well, think about that. Back in this time, they didn't have the New Testament, so they only had the Old Testament, and they had the Old Testament and then was cut off for 400 years, hadn't heard anything. And then all of a sudden, this man comes in from a a husband and wife that wasn't even technically married when he was born. Could you imagine the shame that would bring? We don't think of that. The, The constant wondering, well, wait a minute, you guys weren't married yet, and Jesus is born. So, so you have all this prejudice against his family, against him, and then he comes out and tells you that he's the Messiah? And we wonder, well, how, how, could they, how could they not believe him? Kind of makes sense. I mean, it, that's why he does all the miracles and why he does, shows the signs and tries to plead with them to understand I am he that the scriptures talked about. But his omniscience is shown here openly for the first time. Uh, when, When we see Philip, when he chooses Philip, oh, I turned back, 40, 43. The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. When, when you become a Christian and you follow Christ, you, you forsake everything else. Just like he, all the other disciples that we see, Peter and, and Andrew and James and John, they forsook their nets and they followed after Christ. 
But the first thing we see really easily, what is the first thing Philip does after he's following Christ? He gives the gospel, essentially. He, he tries to get somebody else to come see Christ. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. How long have you been saved? How quick, how easy, or how many have you told? Come and see this Jesus. That's the, that's the we, we kind of just skip right over it. We just, oh, he's his friend, so he's just going to go tell him to come. Jesus doesn't show that he went to Nathaniel and called him. He called Philip. But Philip knew his job was, if this is the Messiah, and I truly believe it's the Messiah, and I'm following him, I'm going to tell other people to come follow him. And as Christians, that should be our job. That is our job when we're saved. Anyways, that was free. That's not part of the lessons. But anyways, let's uh, get into the lesson. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning, uh, for being able to be in your house to make it here, Lord. I, I pray that you be with those that are uh, still driving uh, through the rain and everything. I pray that you give them safety as they come. I pray that you be glorified and your name be lifted up most of all and that you be pleased with what happens this morning here in your house. And I pray that you uh, be with each and every class uh, that we be able to learn more about you and, and to build that relationship with you closer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the first thing I want to look at is Nathaniel's outlook in this whole thing. You're there, uh, look at verse 45. Philip findeth Nathaniel and said unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. It's interesting that the first thing Philip says is he refers back to Scripture. When he's telling Nathaniel about Jesus, he refers back to the Old Testament. And it's important for us as we tell others about Christ that we use the Scripture. That, that's what draws men to him. Uh, Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Scripture should be the, the basis of what you're talking to somebody about. That, that's where we get our authority. It's not by my, my own... Uh, dreams or or it's sad how quickly people people will not follow this but if somebody said I, I died and went to heaven and I came back they'll follow that and that's a that's a authoritative uh, he he knows everything about what happened but yet we, we won't just take what the word says the scripture is the authority not my not my experiences not my if there's dreams but sadly Today, we, we're, we're all about what people think. We're, we're about people's experiences and their dreams, and we're so quick to follow those instead of following what the Scripture says. And we kind of see that with Nathaniel. Nathaniel knows the Scriptures, knows about the Messiah coming, but he's not really totally convinced it, has, it can be Jesus of Nazareth. 
an interesting little uh, regarding Nazareth. Uh, why, why would Philip even say that? Why, why would Philip say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What's, what's wrong with Nazareth? I mean, to us, it's, okay, well, he was born in Bethlehem. Maybe Philip should have said, you know, he was born in Bethlehem. No, it, it, Jesus of Nazareth, that's where he was grown up. That's where he was raised. Uh, but what's, what's wrong with Nazareth? Nazareth laid at a very important part of the trade routes. Uh, so you had a lot of merchants, a lot of trading going through, but it was also close to two of the major roads for the Roman soldiers. And it was a huge hub for both trading, money, and soldiers. You mix the two together back then, it's a very bad place to be. Not just for Jews, but just for Christians in general. In fact, there was a popular saying that said, if you want to be rich, go to Nazareth. If you want wisdom, go to Jerusalem. From Nathan's perspective, the idea that Jesus was the Messiah, okay, where is he from? Nazareth. No. No prophet, no Messiah is coming from Nazareth. No, no rabbi is going to come from Nazareth in that kind of sinful city. That, you can't, no. Nothing's coming good out of Nazareth. And so he had this in his mind, and, but yet there was enough of his interest that he still came. And, and, and what I find interesting there, we, we, again, we look over this. What does Philip say after Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, come and see. He didn't argue with him and say, no, let, listen, let me, let me show you. Okay, he was born in Bethlehem, just like back in the Old Testament when he said he would come in. But no, he, he doesn't argue with them. When you, when you talk to somebody about Christ, when you're witnessing and, and they start arguing with you, our job is not to argue. In fact, a lot of times, can you, he doesn't know this, but if Philip started arguing with Nathaniel, Nathaniel could have just went, whoa, nope, time out. I'm putting a defensive wall. I'm not coming. I don't even care. You, we're going to start this argument. And when you start an argument, both sides don't win. But what, ha what did Philip do? Philip points him to Christ. He said, just, just come and see. See for yourself. I, I believe it. I see it. I know what happened to my life. I, I can give you my testimony. I can tell you that Christianity is the only religion or the only relationship with Christ that has the type of relationship where you can go to an empty tomb. You, you can see lives that were drunkards be changed because of Christianity, because of being saved. But all that means nothing. Come and just see for yourself. I, I can use that all, but Philip, here we, we kind of see, and we don't really see it this way, but it, it's almost a, a good way of being able to, how should we handle knocking on doors, talking to somebody? Well, first we should just go and do it, because that's first thing Philip does is goes and tells Nathaniel. But secondly, you just you give them the scripture, just like Philip did. And then essentially the ball's in their court. I've done what I can. I, I'm the vessel just to proclaim the good news. Come and see. Come to church and you, you don't believe me. You don't believe what the scripture's saying about 
Christ, being the, the, the Messiah and, and your need for salvation, how about you come to church? I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I just want to point you to Christ. And so we see that example here. And, and it's not um, out of the ordinary that, that Philip, uh, that Nathaniel would even um, question again about Nazareth, about where he was from. But again, Philip doesn't argue with him. He just says, come and, come and see for yourself. But this is when it becomes about Christ's omniscience. Look there in verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Christ's omniscience here in, this, in our, our passage here is the attribute of his deity. It is the first, this is very early in his ministry. He's still calling his disciples. And to be able to show just a, a little glimpse of who Christ is. Look, look, just, just a little bit of my glory. I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's like, wait, well, what? Under the fig tree? Were you spying? Did you follow Philip? After you called him, did you follow him? And this is the whole, no. We, we see that as Christians, we know we're all, everything we do is being seen. Everything we do, say, or think, Proverbs 15, 3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. We know that there's nothing hid from Christ. None of our deeds, none of our uh, uh, burdens. And don't forget that. That's, that's an important about, part about why it's important attribute of Christ is his omniscience. He knows the heart of you. He knows the problems that you're going through. He knows the struggles you're going through, the, the heartaches, the, the evil and the good, the Bible says. His ability to to perceive the hearts of man. Look there at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of, it, saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed. If we just stopped there, okay, he just saw him. But Jesus goes a little further and says, In whom is no guile? I, 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 sorry, Brian, I don't, I don't see your heart. I don't know your intentions. I can say that here, here comes a boots. About all I can say. I, I can't say he's no guile. I can't say what his intentions are. I can't say any of that because I can't see any of that. But Jesus can. And Jesus does see that in Nathaniel. Jesus saw that, yes, he, he was lost, just like every one of us, but he, he was searching for the truth. He wanted to come and see this Christ. See, see if this is the Messiah. Just like he did with Nicodemus. Uh, turn over to John 3. You're not far from there. John 3, and we're going to start in verse 9. Jesus always knows who's sincerely uh, searching for him, uh, who, who wants to know the truth. Uh, and Nicodemus is one of those. You think of 
the secrecy that Nicodemus had to take to even come and talk to Jesus, being uh, the standing that he was at. Uh, but you also look at how long Jesus sat there with them, cared about him, knew there, there, there was a man that wanted to know the truth, knew his heart, and so he spent the time with him. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do not, that we, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe? If I tell you of heavenly things, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that is come, has come down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Just as Jesus would eventually meet Nicodemus in this situation and understand and know his genuine want, and, and, and you can see Nicodemus, is, he wants to know. He, he wants to understand. And, and Jesus plainly, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Don't, don't you get what I'm trying to tell you? Uh, there's a lot of times we, we oh, maybe it's me, but a lot of times in, in the Bible you're reading his parables and, and the things that Jesus says, and it's like, man, if you, in, in a human perspective, just, it's very difficult to understand some things. Even the dis disciples would come and say, I, I didn't get what you just told everybody. Uh, you, you just told things in a riddle, basically. I don't, I don't get it. Why, why, why does it have to be so difficult to understand? But the problem is, is we're trying to use our physical, our, our, our man form, basically, and Christ is using spiritual words and spiritual meaning for us to understand. And, and Nicodemus, even though he's learned, he knows head knowledge, his heart wasn't there. His heart wasn't understanding what Christ was saying. But, can, can a man go be born again? Can he crawl back into his mother's womb and be born again? Nicodemus, I'm not talking about physical here. Uh, try, stop trying to be knowledgeable and be spiritual. And that's the biggest part about God's omniscience. Omni, it's one of those words. Omniscience, it's not just that he knows where you physically are. He knows your heart. He knows your spiritual side. He knows your spiritual condition. And yeah, while, while you're here at church and physically here, is your heart here? Are you searching for the truth? As Nicodemus and, and Nathan was do, Nathaniel was doing. Are, are you spiritually searching for the truth? Christ can see that and knows that. He knows more about us than we do. He knows our problems and our falls and our heavy burdens. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. that's why it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ knew, we don't even know why, why was Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree? I don't know. Was he just there for shade? Was he thinking about something? Was he contemplating things? Was he having issues with problems? We don't know. But Christ saw him physically where he was at, but spiritually where he was at. And because of Nathaniel's uh, desire to see the light, to see, Christ knew that, and Christ opens up his eyes to say, I knew where you were at. Verse 48, chapter 1, where we were at. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael was surprised, taken aback. I mean, could you imagine somebody you've never known walking up to him, and he first calls you a man with no guile. Thank you. I don't know how you know that, but I appreciate it. Uh, uh, maybe I don't really feel that way all the time, but thank you, thank you. But how, 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 you don't know who I am. I could be a mass murderer who just got out of prison and I'm walking up to you. How, how do you know who I am? And Christ opened his eyes and said, before Philip even came to you, when you were sitting under that fig tree, I saw thee. Fig tree? Was that a fig tree? Oh, it was a fig tree I was sitting under. How did you know I was under a fig tree? And, and it took Nathaniel to see God's omniscience to open his eyes to verse 49. Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Psalm 139, uh, 1 through 4 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest, compassed me my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. I feel like I'm beating a dead, a dead horse, but God knows everything about us. God knows your thoughts. God knows, like I said, your, your physical location like he does here with Nathaniel. You were under a fig tree. I saw you there. Not that I saw you because I was over on the other hill and I was, where's the Philip going? Oh, okay, I'll use that. Yeah, he'll, he'll believe me then. No, God, God saw him where he was at spiritually and physically where he was at, just like he can see where you're at spiritually and physically. When you're going through the cancer treatments, when you're going through the problems, the, the sickness, you're, you're going through marriage issues or financial issues, a lot of those are physical. A lot of those are locations where you're at. God sees that. Maybe you're struggling with something you read in your devotions. Maybe you're struggling with doing your devotions. Maybe you're struggling with uh, loving your neighbor uh, things that you read in the scripture. You're struggling with your heart. God sees it. God knows it. And we just need to come and see the one that is able to help, the one that's able to know us, for us to learn 
what to do, what to change. As the Bible says, what I read earlier about my yoke is easy. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why are we supposed to learn of Christ? Because he knows everything about us. He knows about our past, our present, and our future. And he knows where he wants us to be. The last thing I want to look at is the ending. Like, like I said, this whole thing reminds me of uh, somebody giving the gospel, like Philip does, essentially. Somebody coming to Christ. It, it's almost like a, a, a sinner's opportunity sitting here in this passage. Uh, verse 49, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under a fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Even though Nathaniel wanted to know the truth, he was just a sinner like us. He, he was searching for it. And Christ opens up his eyes to, to give him the glimpse of who he was. Who, who, like I said, his omniscience is his showing of his deity. Only God can know everything. Only God can see everything. And as soon as Nathaniel realizes that Jesus knew his heart, knew where he was physically, he had to come to the conclusion that this was God. And anybody that gets saved only gets saved when they realize that Jesus is God. You, you talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. Do they, do they believe that Jesus came? Yeah. Do they believe that Jesus died on the cross? Yeah. Do they a lot of times even use the same Bible we use and try to pull verses from it? Yeah. But their Jesus is not the same Jesus as what we believe. Their Jesus is not God. It's not the deity of the one that created it all, the one that runs it all, and the one that owns it all. He's just another God. People that are believing that I believe Jesus is a God. I'm sorry, you're, you're not putting your faith in the right Jesus then. You're putting your faith in a, a man, a, a fictitious thing. If, if Jesus is not God, the God, not a God, but the God, he's not going to be able to forgive you of your sins. He's not able to take away. His payment on the cross was not sufficient for your sins. Jesus has to be the God for somebody to get saved. They have to understand that, and they have to believe that. There are over a billion Muslims in the world today following the teachings of the Quran. Among many false teachers in this book is the teaching that God had no son. While this book does not deny that Jesus was a person, it does deny that there was any deity in him at all. For a person who follows these teachings to have a relationship with the Lord, he needs to turn to the conviction that God did indeed have a son and that his name was Jesus Christ. Nathaniel was a sinner just like everybody else. 
just like Philip, just like you and me. But on this day, when he turned to Jesus and met Jesus, he didn't just realize that he met another person, another rabbi, a good teacher. He calls him the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. He, he put two and two together. This is God. This is the Messiah that I've been waiting for, that we've always been waiting for. And think of Thomas, John twenty twenty eight. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. That's when Thomas got it. That's when Thomas understood the one that I've been following is God. Before that, salvation doesn't happen unless you understand that Jesus is God. Notice he calls him my Lord and my God. If there's ever been a time that you've been saved, that you've taken God's gift of eternal life, we have to understand that Jesus was God. But not only that, but look how quickly. It, it's not something that Nathaniel, well, let me think about that. Jesus tells him, I knew thee. When you were underneath the, the fig tree, I saw thee. In the next verse, Nathaniel says, unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. It's an immediate response. Salvation needs to be something that's immediate. You don't know what tomorrow's going to have. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what two minutes bring. Salvation needs to be something that is immediate because we don't know the, the future. Uh, USA Today had a front page article about those who escaped the World Trade Centers on September 11th. After interviewing over 300 survivors and, their mem and the members of victims, they concluded that those who survived in the South Tower were those who did not delay, but ran for safety immediately. When the North Tower was hit, those in the top floors of the South Tower had just 16 and a half minutes before the next airline would tear through their building. While 1,400 people in the building immediately es escaped as soon as possible, 600 did not. The conclusion of this study found that those who delayed were the ones who did not survive. That's salvation. That's a perfect picture of salvation. Salvation from sin is the same way. Those who put it off to be saved from their sins, oftentimes they wait too long. We don't know. They didn't know. Sixteen and a half minutes later, there was going to be another thing happened to their tower. They saw that happen to that, the other tower. Nothing had happened for 16 and a half minutes for them. But 1,400 of them said, I'm out of here. I, I, it don't matter if nothing happens to this building, I'm getting out. Danger is here, I'm out. 600 people didn't. That's how salvation needs to be. Salvation has to be an understanding that the Bible says now is the time, accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. It doesn't say next week. It says now. Nathaniel didn't wait. Once he saw the omniscience of Christ, it, it was an immediate decision. It wasn't a, let me think about it. Let me, let me see what other miracles you can do. Even though Christ, even right afterwards, he says, uh, thou shalt see greater things than these. 
Nathaniel already made it a point and already put the stake in the ground and put the anchor down and said, you're the son of God. I'm following you. Thou art the king of Israel. He uses that phrase. Jeremiah 23. Um, no, turn, turn to 1 John 5.10, and I'll get there. Jeremiah 23.5 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will rise unto... I, was ra I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and the king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and, the Israel, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Uh, where did I have you go? First John, right? 1 John 5.10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness of in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not that the record of God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's 1 John. Nathaniel calls him the son of God here in John. Uh, don't, don't turn there, but we see the king of Israel, that, that phrase, king of Israel in Zephaniah 31, 15. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He has cast out thine enemies. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. Those are important titles. Write those down for when you do. Your, your names of Christ. Those are important titles, and, and to just say that to somebody randomly, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't just call somebody the Son of God. You wouldn't just call somebody the King of Israel unless you believed it was God, unless you started to realize this was the Messiah that we'd been waiting for. If you've, or somebody you know has been debating whether they're, they're Christianity or, or accepting Christ is something they want to do. Make sure you stress to them that now is the time. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You don't know if you have any longer to, to, uh, to think about this. There's, there's, I think Christ gives people opportunities but I also think sometimes Christ gives them one opportunity because he knows the future and he knows this is your last opportunity before there's no more opportunity. And that's why it's so important for us to take those opportunities and to give the gospel, but also for them to understand that this may be the last time I have the option. Right now I'm still breathing. I have the option. But maybe in five minutes I won't. And if I decide, nah, I'll think about it. God doesn't give you an opportunity to give somebody the gospel just because you happen to be at Walmart. And there just happened to be a big line in this side and there was nobody in this line, so you went over here. God doesn't put opportunities to give the gospel just willy-nilly. Part of it is to see how, how obedient you're going to be.
But part of it might be because you're the last opportunity that person has to hear the gospel. Are we taking those opportunities and doing it and following it? God's all-knowing. God knows what they're going to choose. God knows what they're going to believe and what they're not going to believe. But we just have to believe that God knows that and God put that person in my place, in my pointed time for a reason. And we just have to trust him and do and obey what he told us to do. Let's pray and we'll get ready for the next service. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. Again, for, for, uh, for having your word. Uh, Lord, to be able to have it and to be able to read it and be able to study it and know it. And Lord, to, to learn more about you. Uh, I pray that we, we realize that you're the one that gives the opportunities. You're the one that, that opens the doors for eyes to be able to be seen. Uh, and Father, I pray that we just take those opportunities and we obey them. And we, and we do our job as Christians and, and as sons to, to give the gospel to those that you put in our path. I pray that we, we realize and consider your omniscience, that you know everything. You know everything we're going through. You know what everybody else is going through, and you know what they need, and that's you. And I pray that we just do our job and be faithful in giving the gospel out to this, uh, this world that you've put us in. I pray that your name be glorified in the next service as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.